0: You're listening to Humans in Tech. Our podcast explores today's most transformative technology and the trends of tomorrow, bringing together the brightest minds in and outside of our industry. We unpack what's new in physical access, identity verification, cybersecurity, and IoT ecosystems. We reach beyond the physical world discuss our digital transformation as a species, and dive into the emerging fidgetal experience. Join us on our journey as we discover just how connected the future will be and how we will fit into that picture. Your host is Lee Dow, VP of Global Marketing at Identive.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Today, we're talking to Mike Taylor, Vice President of Global Sales. Thanks for being on here today for the Humans in Tech podcast.
2: Great to be here, Lee. I always enjoy it.
1: Today, we're going to be discussing machine learning and how it's rapidly changing the face and pace of business as we know it. Machine learning, for our audience, if they're not familiar, is a subfield of AI, artificial intelligence, and it's broadly defined as the capability of a machine to imitate intelligent human behavior. So AI systems are used to perform some pretty complex tasks in a way that's similar to how humans solve problems, yet really requires little to no human interaction. Um, so a lot of times people are confused. Um, they confuse AI and machine learning. What's what's the difference?
2: It's a great question. And I think you outlined it great, right? So machine learning is a subfield of AI. And really what what machine learning is, Lee, is it gives computers the ability to learn something uh, without being programmed to respond a specific way. So it, it allows the computers to, to gain that data and then turn around and, and make decisions off of it. So, AI, uh, you know, and then AI, on the other hand, as you said, is, is really you know using a system in a complex way and uh, uh, using it to really solve problems. And, and I think we'll talk more as you get into into the podcast about how what it leverages and how it works.
1: Well, one thing that's kind of funny is you know, so the difference between AI and machine learning. Um, we've done a podcast segment uh, on medical devices where we talked a bit about different um, AI and machine learning systems within the medical device industry. And we got into how, um, you know, in physical security, there's so many applications for both. um, And there's so many, um, there's such a lack of understanding of what they are and how they work, you know, even in like the legislative bodies that are required to make decisions about how these technologies are even able to be used. Um, so it's really good to like break it down into something, you know, that I think what you just did, which is something that like everyone can understand the difference between the two.
2: Absolutely. Yep. And and it's funny, right? Uh, you know, hearing you talk about governance and, and who's going to make those definitions and who's going to manage it. Uh, I shudder a little bit because our, our government is very slow on the draw when it comes to some of that stuff. So, oh,
1: 100 percent. That's what the conversation was, is how yeah, there's it's, not it's, deep subject matter expertise in the people who are making these decisions.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's so it's really incumbent on the on these companies to manage it themselves. And, you know, again, there's great companies out there, Apple, Google, uh, but, uh, you know, they set the parameters, and, uh, and and they can be very loose guidelines. So, um, yeah, I think I think it's a great, great subject to discuss.
1: Why does machine learning require such high quality input data and models?
2: Well, you know, I've heard it said in the past and I I think it's a really good analogy. You know, it's almost like gardening. You have to fertilize it to grow. And I think it's um, there's there's the old saying when when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, whether you're on a diet, whether you're feeding a a CRM, junk in, junk out. So I think it's really critical that um, you get the best quality data coming in um, and that way you have a a better, um, the higher likelihood of a better outcome. Um, you know, there's a million a- algorithms out there that sci- data scientists use. And it's interesting because when it comes to y- doing AI and machine learning, there's certain algorithms they will use, and there's actually some they will purposely omit so that they can really manage how that data comes through. And, and it allows them a simpler model to get a little bit better data in the door. Um, you know, when, when you start with Solid, clean data. Then your what the output from that's going to be very clean and crisp. If you use anything that's either muddy or 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 you know not really clean, uh, I guess I, I just keep going back to that analogy, right? It, it's got to be extra clean. But the, the better the data, then the better decisions the machine can make based on the data that comes in, which will give you ultimately much better predictions.
1: Um, which is such a challenge, right? Because who's ever worked anywhere where the data system you work with is 100% clean? <laughs>
2: uh, as the leader of a sales team, if that person knows <laughs> where that exists or can tell me how to make it happen, please call me. My my number will be at the end of this call because uh, I would I would love to talk to you. Yeah, it is it is a challenge. It really is.
1: Right. And so, um, you know, like you said, kind of the garbage in, garbage out. Uh, And I've even seen stories recently, things that are, you know, nothing connected to our industry, but um, different AI and machine learning, um, you know, uh, experiments and things like that. Like I read one the other day where they were trying to uh, use Twitter, which is uh, why anyone would do this in the first place, but trying to use Twitter to inform a machine learning um, application, uh, which was, you know, automatically the trolls jumped in and tried to skew, right, the data that was being um, fed to this this particular application, which, of course, had, you know, not good outcomes. Um, so, yeah, so that garbage in, garbage out is really important. And, and especially when you think about, um, you know, systems that are making decisions without any human interaction um, So when you think about you know the discussion and information about machine learning and how it's supposed to make life easier for all of us, how is it really being used in real life?
2: Uh, great question you know I, and what's funny is it's being used quite a bit today. I, I just think a lot of times people are I wouldn't say oblivious they just don't pay attention to it so there's there's things like uh, voice search technology, image, image recognition, Automated translation, even self-driving cars. It's being used today. I just think sometimes um, people get one picture of it in their head, which is, i.e. the Hollywood version of computers are going to take over the world. And they're actually bad-mouthing or talking about it. The trolls come out and say how bad it is. And then you know, you look back and you're like, hold on, you were on Twitter spewing all this hate and, and negativity around it, but you were using voice technology to do it, which was based off of the very thing that you're slamming. So um, <laughs> it is really already ingrained in today's world. I just think a lot of consumers don't realize what it is.
1: Well, I I used to work with um, a woman who's an anthropologist at, at Intel, and her whole job was to figure out like, how, do people, how are people going to use technology in the future? And she gives this like amazing speech about how an almost every country around the world robots are our friends except for in America. So like you brought up the Hollywood. Um, So like she would always talk about how Hollywood movies like robots are always coming to kill us. Um, And like, right. Or like, you know, the howl in um, space odyssey, right. (laughs) Like it's like, you know, that's never, it's never some, you know, positive uh, impact when, when it's depicted in an American Hollywood movie, but, but it does have really positive outcomes um, you know, when it's used appropriately. And, and I also think that, like you're saying, these different capabilities that are just part of your day-to-day life and they're designed to be non-intrusive, right? They're designed to just be something that you don't have to think about.
2: No, uh, again, you're, you're spot on. And, um, you know, we, we everyone likes easier. Everyone likes better, bigger, faster, right? So as we get that, um, sometimes it, it's one thing to say, hey, I love being able to cook a bowl of soup in 12 12 to 15 seconds, but I don't want microwaves in my house, right? So there is a trade-off there, but at the end of the day, um, you know, these things are designed to make our lives better. Are there risks? Yes. Are there things that need to be pulled back? Yes. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we will certainly as a whole society truly benefit from this technology.
1: What types of problems does machine learning solve?
2: Um, Machine learning problems, you know, really what we're seeing, Lee, especially in the security space, we gather a lot of data. And so really the big question is, what are we doing with it? Can we maximize it? You know, what are we trying to do? I mean, in short, if you look at it, machine learning problems typically involve predicting. They take previously observed outcomes using past data and say, if this happens again, if, it, you know, what what is most likely going to be the future outcome. Um, I like to call it as it's almost like the easy button for predicting the future, if you will.
1: Well, I really think, too, that, um, you know, I know you and I, you know, attended the last ISC West, um, and I wasn't at GSX, but at ISC West, I did notice that, you know, there was – already um, a lot more messaging around AI and machine learning. And I think just as an industry, we have to be really cautious about making claims um, with respect to what what the technology can really do today or what we're really willing to let it do just yet. Um, And so I thought it was really interesting just seeing that it's definitely becoming more and more prevalent as a part of the offering and as a part of um the industry but i don't hear a lot of conversations about is it what are the claims are they false claims which ones are real claims what can it really do and, and where is it really working
2: yep I, I think uh i think you're spot on and you know within our industry um people tie uh, machine learning and ai to analytics and and they are certainly not the same thing however you know th- there's that perception because the analytics came to the security industry Um, and they were definitely not ready for prime time. A lot of people that went in on it got burned. And so uh, now there's a hesitancy to use it. So I I think there's a lot of people that want to talk surface. Oh, yeah, AI, you know, machine learning. Yes, 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 we're in. Um, But if you actually push them on what is it, how are you actually using it in your business, um, there's a lot of crickets still. Um, I, I think if we as an industry go all in and, and truly, you know, work with great partners, whether it's universities, whether it's the, these huge tech companies to figure out how to implement what they do on top of all the data that we gather, it could be a home run. But I just think we're at the, the, the infant stage of having those conversations.
1: Well, and I sit on the SIA um, uh, facial recognition work group and I joined that work group because of my background working in legislative bodies. I just was, thought it would be a really interesting one to join, and that one in particular is part of the um, like the government affairs uh, part of SIA. And mm-hmm. you know the the reports that I see from them and uh, from the people who are actually doing the um, education and testimony on the Hill and stuff like that from SIA are really interesting because, to your point, like you know it's like people don't really understand this technology yet they don't really um, when you push them on it on what they're really delivering or why they're protesting it in some instances a lot of states right um, are trying to legislate these things but they don't really quite understand them or what the the real um, uses and and risks are in implementing them so it's just for me it's been a really interesting conversation to be a part of because there's so much confusion
2: yeah, well, you know, and, and again, thank you to you and, and, and the board of, of SIA, you know, uh, it's um, that's a tough spot to be in. And and when you're and anytime you're in the private to public and, and dealing with government agencies, it's really a difficult situation because uh, the government's designed to make everyone happy. You know, <laughs> I, I need you to like me to reelect me. Um, and And sometimes they're just going to bow to it. And unfortunately, most of the people they're bowing to are the same Twitter crowd. And, you know, I, I think I read somewhere about 18% of, of the uh, U.S. population is actually on Twitter. So you're really not doing a really broad uh, audience there. Right. And so, uh, you know, when you were talking earlier about they were they ran analytics on Twitter and I thought, OK, if this was Jeopardy, my answer would be what is to spew hate? Um, so. <laughs> You know, 100%. Twitter's, Twitter's where, where people in their, their parents' basement go to complain. So, um, you know, it, it is a tough discussion, but the only way we truly will gain and move forward is if we have these tough discussions. And, you know, we see advances across Europe. They are a little bit more quick to adapt some of this. And and from that respect, I'd love to see us kind of follow in their footsteps.
1: Right. And then I think that a lot of what um, what is interesting to me on that subcommittee is That, you know, the technology of machine learning was was really in part developed to solve problems that require that unbiased analysis of lots of different factors and generate an outcome. But but the truth is, is that how do you really, truly remove that bias? It's 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 so difficult to do.
2: You, you know and then and then the concern and the question is can that bias somehow be fed or built into the electronic models is, right. is there a way that the the ai will actually recognize some of that and and that's a risk you run because if you're if you're pre- you know predicting outcomes based on past data then uh, then maybe it's skewed but uh yeah cuz what know, is your like, data set right <laughs> correct so again junk in junk out it's really critical that you, you take really good clean data points um, and, and use that going forward as you build your model.
1: I also think that this is an area where there needs to be a lot more discussion about ethics. Um, you know, I haven't seen a lot of discussions about ethical data capture or um, the ethics around managing data or creating unbiased data or stuff like that. So I definitely would like to see um, SIA and other you know, industry bodies like that explore those topics a bit more.
2: I think it's critical. And and I think, um, you know, it's it's really one of the things that that is a bit of the wild, wild west right now, still with data today. Um, You know, if if we capture data, I mean, we are a third party manufacturer, um, so we're not retaining the data, but we have the ability to retain data for our customers. What do the customers do with it? Who owns that data? Um, And and those are all really sort of what is the meaning of life type questions. Right, exactly. I'm certainly not smart enough to give you the the, the correct answer on it. But I think if we don't have the discussion and if there's not um, bodies leading the charge to have those discussions, then then we're going to fail.
1: Well, even those discussions, right, if we only have them within the security industry, then we're not involving the people who who can guide us in those. It, you Correct. know, or at least I don't mean like we can't make those decisions because we're not, you know, all you know, smart professional people, but because you need those other voices to make, you know, decisions that really impact humanity.
2: Absolutely, and and again, our our piece is uh, you know, the security industry is a subset of the technology that's out there, and it, in the grand scheme of life, it's a very small subset. So you're right. I mean, we we can't do it just within our industry. Um, I do think we can be. An industry that that rings the bell and carries has mm-hmm. a big voice and, and tries to carry the day and get these other technologies on board. But if we look at it just in context of the security industry, we're, we're missing.
1: So, what are some of the factors that you think are really, um, you know, driving the growing popularity of machine
2: learning? Uh, I, I think there's probably two or three key factors. I mean, certainly, the, you know, the availability of data in huge volumes is is unbelievable i mean just you know people do not realize the digital footprint that they leave behind and all of that data is collated so there's a a, not only large volumes of it but just the the range of it from everything from you know, if you walk up to someone and say, give me your password, they're not going to do it, but they'll log in on their phone to a website on a public Wi-Fi and and, and hand out that information. So I, I think, you know, there's large volumes of data um, with, with wide ranging topics. I think, um, you know, computing power has never been more cost effective. Um, you know, you've heard stuff, but like my my iPhone today has as much computing technology as the first space shuttle. Like, it's, it's just <laughs> unbelievable that that um, how affordable the access is to, to computing power. And then certainly, um, you know, my, my favorite high, high-speed internet, you know, God, God bless Al Gore, um, you know, he created <laughs> it. But but just the, the access to, to truly high-speed uh, uh, data, meaning you're getting data truly in real time, these are the kind of factors that make, uh, make it easy to develop computer models, um, certainly to take that data, analyze it. Um, and again, as, as we move forward with, with big data, you know, companies are looking to leverage that to what I often say is they wanna do more with less. And, and the belief is I can, I can sort my way through it with technology and, and you know I can build models and I can build all the stuff so that I need fewer people to actually run my business or, or, you know, making me more efficient, thus making me uh, more attractive to investors and making everybody more money.
1: Do you think, can machine learning predict the future?
2: (laughs) You know, I, I, listen, I, I'm as much as anybody, I'm a big fan of that magic eight ball, Uh, (laughs) but this is, this is, this is certainly way beyond that. I, I do believe, um, you know, models can predict the future. But I I think it's all relative, right? I mean, some of the relevance comes from connecting to past events. So, for example, you know, there are some machine learning models that will use that we can use to predict stock prices in the future. But the only thing we're leveraging that is what is that stock price done on the in the past? Um, The same thing with weather. So we can see the future to a point. Um, We only do it from looking backwards, which seems kind of counterintuitive. But uh, I, I do believe. Um, that a lot of things that are going to come, we can predict, Um, you know, and some of it's high level, like, will there be a major earthquake on the West coast? Yes. You know, that that sort of thing, but predicting more of when it's going to happen. I think we can get there. I I think we're, we're pretty close today. I just think uh, one last piece of it is really setting the expectations. Um, You know, we live in this world where we expect because of technology to know everything exact at all times, so, if someone predicts, hey, there's an earthquake that's going to happen, and I can I can guess down to the week that it's going to hit, is that a is that a success? To, to me, it would be. So, I think we can predict it. I just think we've got to be realistic on what those prediction outcomes, you know, w- what our expectations are of the outcome.
1: That's a lot to unpack.
2: <laughs> yes, it is.
1: Um, well, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us insight into machine learning. It's you know, it's just a really fascinating topic. It's got so many legs and so many open question marks uh, to explore.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's certainly something we could almost run as a series and and over the next couple of years, just watch it evolve, see how it not only impacts our company and the security industry, but, but certainly society as a whole. So I look forward to it and
0: I certainly appreciate the time.
1: If you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please like and subscribe for me. We drop a new episode every Thursday.
0: The problem isn't security, it's awareness. Velocity Vision is the future of visual surveillance, an intelligent video management solution that delivers real-time situational awareness in an open security platform. Integrate with your existing systems, verify your environment in one pane of glass, and increase the efficiency of your security operation. Get full control of your environment when and where you need it. Learn more at identive.com. Get access control anywhere, anytime for less money out of pocket. Highly secure Freedom Cloud is a cloud-based access control as a service offered through a cost-effective subscription model, allowing users to control, manage, and maintain their physical access control systems via Freedom's intuitive, always up-to-date, browser-based web administration. Learn more at identive.com. Physical Security. Identity Verification. The IOT. The hyperconnectivity of our lives will only grow more pervasive. As technology becomes more automated and experiences more augmented, it's up to us to preserve our humanity and use new tools and trends for good. The only question is, are we up for the challenge?